Welcome to the Hockey Town West podcast. Here to talk all things Griffins, Firebirds, and Walleye are your hosts, Nick Harrington and Brandon Cook. This weekend sucked. Yeah? Why? Why, why so, Brandon? Please enlighten us. Because we lost two must-win games. We definitely did. We lost two must-win games that should have been not gimmies per se, but a lot better than what we watched in person. Oh, well, you were fortunate to watch both games this weekend in person. I was able to watch the other one at home. <laughs> was was that fortune or <laughs> torture? <laughs> I did kind of plan that out pretty well. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, Friday night was something. The vibes were good on the stadium. The vibes were very good. It was a fun time. We were having a good time. And then things happened. And Saturday night, the vibes were still good. It was princess night. It was princess <laughs> night. The place was packed. Oh, yeah. You could tell, too. Once we got there and warm-ups were still going and people were, like, already in the top corner of 201, I was like, the beer line's going to be long tonight. It even, was packed. Even our buddy uh, Ethan got up on the jumbo trot, him and his wife, Danielle. Yeah. yeah, they made it out uh, to a game. Made it out to But the vibes were good, and then they deteriorated quickly. Why? What happened? I mean, we all know what happened. They, they lost, and they lost bad, but we'll get into it. As you guys might know already or not know, I'm Brandon, and next to me here is Nick. So we're going to talk to you about all things Griffins over the weekend. We're going to throw in some Toledo walleye action because there's a lot of exciting things happening down there right now. I'm super excited about Toledo now because it's like our only winning team. Did you order a jersey yet? <laughs> no, not yet. I'm surprised. Uh, <laughs> um, um, and then we'll talk some Firebirds too because you got some action going on there with our boy Lombardi. They had a decent weekend too as well. So yeah. we'll jump into it. I'm just going to jump straight into Friday night, which you were there with me at least so you can attest to most of this. What do you think happened? They didn't look inspired. They didn't look like they were just kind of out there. Um, a lot of what I saw is that they were just stuck in the neutral zone the entire game. It was just passed and picked off, passed, picked off, and it just kept going back and forth. Like They just could not get anything set up in the offensive end. It was like watching Blashill's Red Wings dump, chase, dump, chase. Uh. It was... I was having some 2016 flashbacks, <laughs> and I was not a fan of that in person there. But there, we'll, we'll talk the good so far in that one. So, Camper gets a goal, Camper which is gets, great. Yeah. From nice point shot. Point shot. Nice Lindstrom-esque. Yeah, Lindstrom-esque <laughs> from Camper. I like it. No, it's a good shot. It's good to see him getting the score sheet there. Um, it's good to see him putting the puck on the net from the, the point instead of just passing it. Like, he saw an opportunity, took it, and it worked out well. It's kind um, of squeaked past the goalie. It really did. Adam Ernie gets an assist on that goal. That was the excitement of Friday night, was Adam Ernie in playing for the Griffins. Like, having him and Elmer and Vrana and Nedeljkovic. Like, we have, like, a whole Red Wings family down here now. Plus minus doesn't matter, right? Plus, yeah. Okay, well, he was a minus two that night. But anyways, <laughs> he did get on the score sheet. Um... He looked good though. I Honestly, you could you could tell Ernie was ready to just kind of have some fun. Um, very gritty. He was throwing his body around a lot, getting really chippy with people. It was chippy Friday night. But you know, Ernie, he's played in GR before. He played for Syracuse. Oh yeah. When GR beat him for the Calder Cup in 2017. 
So we have a curse of Adam Rudy. He's owing uh, three in the arena now. Oh my gosh. So hopefully <laughs> this is not a long stay for whatever reason. I hope Rudy goes back to the wings. We cannot have you cursing our Griffins right now. I don't think he's cursed. That's what someone who is cursed would say, though. But I don't think he's cursed. I think it took a, it took a minute for him to adjust to the playing style of the AHL, for sure. I mean, as we know, it's, it's a fast league. Some might say some games are faster than NHL games. But he kept up with the pace of everybody else. He was in on most of the plays. And, again, throwing the body around, like, just going as hard as he possibly can, um, which was fun to see. It was kind of like when the game started to get rough, which we'll get there. He and another player were kind of just carrying all the energy at that point, and everybody else had lost it because they gave up. It looked like, like you said, uninspired. They looked beat before the game was even over. Yeah, it was not. It was not good vibes. Not what do you the think? Ice. What do you think of Ned on Friday? Ned on Friday, uh, there was opportunity too there. I thought. Um, I mean, Ned played. He played decent. He would stop the first shot, which was a big thing. I think Ned on Friday played really well. Um, he was right. He was positioned well. He was given. Uh, he was stopping the first shot that hit him, and we just couldn't clean out that rebound. A lot of the goals I saw were rebounds. You sure not thinking of Saturday night? No, because Saturday Brassham started. Yeah, but Ned came in and was solid at that point. Yeah, I thought Ned was shaky as all get out on Friday night. So you thought Ned played good Friday? I thought he played well. He was in the right positions. I think the rebounds is just kind of what killed us. I thought he looked all over the place for a good chunk of the game there. I thought he was a little scattered. The first period he looked fine. Second period and third period he started to look a little scattered. It looked like the moves were getting him kind of all over the place. It's not the behavior you expect from Ned, and it's not what we saw when he came in on Saturday night in relief of Bradstrom. He was really solid at that point. But there was quite a few shaky moments where I was just like, this is Detroit Ned, not comes into Grand Rapids during conditioning and completely crushes it, Ned. It was, but that's one game. Yeah. And every goalie is allowed to have a bad game like that. You just hope it wouldn't be in a kind of must-win situation against a division rival. That we needed the points to be able to move up. And we had just went like four, was it 4-0? Four, oh? four game win streak. Four yeah. game win streak. Like, we really need to stretch that to six to be able to, you know, really make a tear. And the only things that changed was we added Ernie. That was it that changed on Friday. Ernie was really the biggest addition. And and Ernie helped. Ernie helped. I mean, yeah, I mean, addition-wise, Ernie was the only addition the team really made for Friday. Um, There's a couple losses, but we'll get into that in a little little bit here. Um, Yeah, the team just... Didn't look like the same team that played in Texas the weekend before. Yeah, that's uh, true. I granted first game back from their small All Star break the AHL gets, so I expected a little bit of shakiness at the beginning, which is what was weird about Ned's game where he wasn't shaky then became shaky. You figure at the beginning after sitting for that long because that's the longest he's sat since he's come to Grand Rapids by far. Oh yeah, that he would have been shaky at the start and then found himself, but it was the complete opposite. But positives, the team did well that night. They stayed out of the box. They only gave up one. Uh, they only gave up one penalty to uh, Manitoba. So, and they did not let them score on it, which is impressive enough because Manitoba has like the best power play. the best power play in the conference by far. I don't know if it's by league, but by far they have the best power play in the conference. Um, 
and they were able the Griffins were able to convert on the power play in that game. Yeah. That Camper goal was a power play goal, which is something that you definitely need, being middle of the pack power play in the conference right now. But keeping themselves out of the box definitely lessened Manitoba's opportunities if they would have taken as many penalties in that game as they did on Saturday night. Oof, we were in for a rougher night Friday. Manitoba looked really good. They're good. Like, the whole game, they looked really good. They're really well organized and put together. It looks like they're very well coached. I believe we had four power plays, if I remember right, one of the ones we converted on. Um, Yeah, it was four. They only had one. We had four. Power play. (laughs) Yeah, no, they had one power play. We had four. We converted on one this night, at least. It was, I don't know, it was a weird game. The vibes were good, then the vibes deteriorated. <laughs> yeah. What, what was the score of the game? 4-1 to one in that one. 4-1. to one. Now, that looks worse on paper than it actually was. So, Ned only let in two. Two were empty net. So, really, Friday as a whole was significantly better than what we saw on Saturday. Two goals against, against that team, not a bad night, by far. Now, highlight players from that game for me, I... Edvinson, again, played really well, played really strong in the blue line. Stood up for his teammates quite a bit, showing, again, that he's not afraid to sit there and talk down to whoever tries to challenge him. He's not going to drop the gloves, but he'll talk down to you. Yeah, it was that way. He was kind of into it. it I was surprised. Uh, Lately, usually he's been pretty calm, not taking any penalties or anything like that, but I think I thought he took one. Uh, Edmondson taking a penalty that night. Yeah, he had. Yeah, he had one at the end of the game there. Uh, he had a roughing call. That's yeah, so that was the one where he really started to get scrappy there. Um, I don't agree with it being a roughing call. Um, kind of got taken down behind the net there and just uh, stood up for himself. So geez. yeah, it's something we haven't seen. It's not something that we don't want to see. Oh, just, I love it. Yeah. I love it. The crowd loves it too. Yeah, it's... Anytime he starts picking on someone who's half his size, everyone is all in on it. <laughs> a lot of people are laughing about it. Oh, it's good stuff. Um, but yeah, that night, so obviously, Camper gets the goal. Ernie assists, but also Verona assists, continuing yeah. his point streak that he's got going right now. Pretty sure it's seven games with the point? Yeah, I believe it is seven. Yeah, so good stuff there. Again, you saw, like I talked about in the last uh, the first episode... He was buzzing, and you saw it in person. Yeah, he had a lot of chances Friday night, and he just, you know, bad bounce, bad puck luck, whatever you want to call it. Like, he, he had a lot of opportunities. And then, again, on Saturday, like the first minute or two that he comes out, he came out trying to get a goal quick. So, I mean, things are looking up. Uh, I mean, he's playing. He's, I, I think he's been Green Rapids' best player the last couple games besides Simon. Uh, uh, Elmer. Can't forget him. He's been a rock star he's, these past couple games. He's brought a lot of energy to the game. He's brought a lot of energy to the game, especially when he's fighting in the corners down there. Not fighting, but f- keeping the puck protected in the corners, fighting people off to protect the puck and keep the play going and finding a way to extend that play where most people, his not his size, are going to get pushed off the puck and continue on. He's definitely figured out how to use that size in the AHL, which is nice. But yeah, Barana, uh, three shots on goal, assist in the game. He wasn't minus two in the game, but Barana's offensive capabilities are really starting to show again with the team. Yeah. He's definitely putting the puck in the net, setting up good plays, getting these assists. I don't want to agree with what Lalone said about him in Detroit right now. 
with looking for a more consistent game across the board, but defensively, it's been a little rough. And he knows that, though. I think looking at the interviews he's done and reading Max's article, Verona kind of knows what he's expected to do, and he knows the defensive part is a weak part of his game. And it wasn't the strongest part of his game in Detroit either. It's not like he was a dominant two-way forward. He's a he's a sniper. He's a sniper. He's a sniper. Yeah. So he's going to figure out that defensive game as we're going here. I, depending on what happens at the Red Wings trade deadline, I don't know if he's here for the whole season or not. The offense is there. He's putting points on the board. Is he going to stay in Grand Rapids this whole season? I don't think so anymore. Depending on what that relationship with the Wings is like at this point, I think he goes back. And if he doesn't, great for us because we get to continue watching him redevelop and see his skills in person, and that's always fun for us. I love watching him play. Like he, it's exciting because you want you want him to succeed. You want him to to do well. You know, we want to we want him to bounce back. You know. Yeah, I mean, everyone loves an under, underdog story. And he's kind of become this team's underdog for some reason. He doesn't belong in that spot with how skilled he is, but I don't think there's a single person that supports this team that's not rooting for him to be successful at this point. Only good things for Verona. Only good things. (laughs) Now Saturday. (laughs) Princess night. Princess night. That's a highlight of the night right there. Princess night. That place was packed. Kids are loud. They were bringing the noise for everybody else, sometimes a little too loud for some of us. (laughs) But, man, our section was having fun with it, at least. Even in a deteriorating game like that, fans were having fun still on a night like that, which is good to see. But the sore subject on that game, it's got to be Bratstrom, unfortunately. I liked how Bratstrom played the first period. I thought he played really well. He was really strong. Uh, I clipped an article, or I clipped a video of him with a big save, and he got the save, then gave up the rebound, but then he saved the rebound, too. He had some good moments in the first. It was only one to one at the end of the first. Yeah. Where this game ended five to one. Ooh. But he did have four goals on nineteen shots. Not a great night for him, and it sucks because he's been he's been so much better recently. Um, the turnaround in his game from the beginning of the season to now looked so much better. Even in this loss where he gets pulled. He still was more poised in net than he's been at the beginning of the season. And he definitely didn't let it affect him like he definitely was at the beginning of the season when a a goal would get scored. You could tell he was rattled a little bit. Now, unfortunately, he decided to play the puck in the corner at one point, which really kind of kicked off the spiral here and takes a weird bounce off the dasher board, ends up bouncing back to the front of the net and ends up in the net, unfortunately. That one was the hardest thing to watch. That's where an arena full of 10,000 people went silent in a snap. And it sucks. But, again, where I talk about his poise and how he's been able to rebound and handle himself, I don't know if you could see it watching at home. Manitoba puts a puck on net and he stops it. It's the softest stop in the world. The crowd cheers, jokingly at him, obviously, kind of giving him crap for letting that one go in. And he starts waving to the crowd. (laughs) Like, he's acknowledging, yeah, I messed up. I know I did. You could tell he was crushed. But there was a couple times after that where the crowd continued to cheer on the smallest thing. Like, he'd make the play behind the net of just moving the puck along, and the crowd would cheer. (laughs) But you're like, dang it, like, you hate to hear that. But he, again, took it like a champ. Unfortunately, 
didn't finish the game, didn't get pulled in the game necessarily, like in the middle of the period after a goal. They let him play out the whole second period, put Ned in to start the third, and Ned lets in one during that time frame there. I think he stopped nine nine shots overall. Sorry, eight shots. Ned stopped eight shots during that time in that. Uh, again, looking solid from having to get pulled in after just playing last night. So, rough goalie night for Bradstrom, unfortunately. Because I want nothing but that kid to succeed. I want him to be in Detroit one day doing backflips after his first start of the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I miss. Um, but, yeah, man. Wow, that was a rough one. I love when he does those back, those little somersaults. So, yeah, I shouldn't it's call like, them backflips. It's not a backflip. It's a somersault. It's like the, with the Boston Bruins. They do their goalie hug at the end of the games. That goalie tandem is my favorite <laughs> in all of hockey right now. That's why, yeah, I, I love the little things that Brassham and Ned do. Oh, yeah, for sure. But goals for the Griffins in that game. Sorry, goal for the Griffins in that game. Oh, um, Zarnik, getting yeah, that score little, sheet again. little squeaker by the goalie. Yeah, that one barely squeaked <laughs> through, man. Oh, my gosh. That was, uh, some luck was on our side there. So Zarnik gets that goal assisted by Verana again. So Verana back-to-back nights, back-to-back assists. And, um... Les Perron's got the other assist on that one. Verona had the primary. Um, so, again, another good night for Verona. Uh, continued to play well offensively. Again, had some defensive woes in that game, unfortunately. Not as many as Friday night. He was much more defensively sound Friday, or Saturday night than he was Friday night. Um, one of my favorite parts of that game was how chippy Les Perron's was getting. He was to be and Sabrango, uh, yeah, Sabrango. Sabrango having him back adds a whole new element of grit the team hasn't had since uh, Giovanni was there. And uh, Matt Luff, <laughs> dude, Luff's funny. Matt Luff has been playing really well, which I felt bad not mentioning him the last podcast because <clears throat> I don't know, I forgot, but he has brought energy to the team too. So like, we've got a lot of these energy players. You can tell he's a funny guy on the ice. <laughs> like he's. Usually He's trying chirping. to keep the mood going. Oh, he <laughs> likes to chirp. You can tell. The unfortunate part is when the game went south, just like Friday night, a lot of the team felt uninspired, where I think Friday night there was really two people carrying the team on their back, which is going to be, you know, Elmer and Simon. Simon. And then the next night... They're big. They're big enough to carry the team. They can carry <laughs> the entire team on their back, for yeah. sure. And they already are trying. They're tall. They're tall. They're tall guys. Some would call them the Swedish t- Twin Towers. Yeah. That is their nickname. <laughs> After that. I don't know how I feel about it, but it's their nickname. It's so odd. It's an awkward one. I don't like, but I like with these. <laughs> I don't like these innuendos. Uh, like, who came up? Wasn't that Mickey that came up with that one? <laughs> the tree sum. Oh, Mickey's was the tree sum. You're <laughs> right. Oh, God. All right. Moving on from that one. Um, yeah. Elmer and Simon carrying the team Friday night. Players carrying the team, Simon and Elmer, for sure. They kept the same momentum all night long. They didn't really have that I'm giving up moment. Saturday night, Elmer, again, one of the toughest working players out there, along with Sabrango. Sabrango was extremely gritty. You could tell he was frustrated that night. He was trying everything he could to get under their skin, get the crowd back in it. And he was doing a really good job Um, defensively. You can tell he's trying to readjust to being in Grand Rapids again. Um, There's definitely going to be that small adjustment period, but I anticipate by what time we watch him on Wednesday, it's going to be he's fully adjusted. He's back in. Yeah. it's but I'm sure it's tough. He's been bounced back between Toledo and uh, Grand Rapids quite a bit. 
this season of going up and down, up and down. So I'm um, just trying to get used to this pace up here and the talent. The talent's a lot better up here. I complain about driving to Detroit twice in one week, and that guy's had to drive from Grand Rapids to Ohio how many times? Speaking um, of Ohio. No, yeah. No, I mean, I'll, we'll wrap and transition here to Toledo, but thoughts game. on the Griffins going into Wednesday's game? It was a weekend to forget. Uh, they just, it felt like they were delivered like super bad news right before they went on the ice Thursday. And that just kind of carried them in on Friday. No, I mean, yeah, you're right. That's the exact mood. They looked like they got bad news. It, yeah. That was it. I don't, it, that was strange, um, yeah, from what we saw. And I got there kind of, like, right on time. Parking was terrible. Parking was a nightmare. If you don't live in Grand Rapids and you're never downtown Grand Rapids, parking, when there's multiple events going on, is the biggest joke I've ever been a part of. <laughs> I just realized, too, that us letting Manitoba beat the crap out of us all weekend, let them jump over Iowa in the standings. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, so now Manitoba's fourth in the Central, and Wednesday we play third place in the Central, Rockford. We've had some interesting games against Rockford this this year. Yeah. Some fun ones, some not-so-fun ones. My thoughts going into this one is, I know I've said must-win every time we play a Central Division opponent. Really. Um, these next these next two games are must-win. We've got one in division and one out of the division. One out of the division, we can at least make up some ground. As long as our friends in Manitoba and Iowa and Rockford and Milwaukee and Texas. Sorry, that's all the teams ahead of us <laughs> lose. Oh, no. oh. Uh, Texas did lose back-to-back games this weekend. Oh, so that helps. That helps a ton. Uh, that's, I believe, Why? two weekends in a row where they've gotten beat back-to-back. Uh, I don't know. Riley Barber was probably too tired after the All-Star game. He was putting on a show. I wonder what happened. Did you ever sit down and watch the All-Star game? No. So I think it's gone. Oh, that's disappointing. They don't keep this stuff on their parallel. That's really disappointing. That was such a great game. Uh, I'm not going to waste too much time on that, but All-Star Game, obviously, Lashoff was there uh, trying to keep up with all those kids buzzing around the ice, and he was doing a good job with it. But that was some fun hockey to watch. The way they do three-on-three, the setup there is a lot of fun. But I'll tell you what, if I ever want to do like an AHL hockey road trip or flying somewhere trip to watch some games, I'm going to Laval. That environment looks fun. Did they take the boards out? Yeah, so it was oh. during the skills competition. Um, for the skills warm-up and during the competition, the sides, not the back where they'd be shooting against, obviously, yeah. but all the sides, they took the glass down. So the fans were right there. Players were stopping by in warm-ups, taking pictures, signing stuff. That's so cool. Well, I remember because we had the skills competition on while we were recording the first episode. Yeah. And I remember glancing at the TV afterwards when they were done with the skills competition. You could just see all the players grouped up by the fans down there. I didn't know at the time that's what they had. I didn't know at the time that's what they had done with that. So seeing that and seeing how many players truly were like just doing stuff with the fans, that was cool. That's sick. I wish the NHL would do that. I think they. Should. It did, did it take them long to take the boards yes. out and put them back in? Yeah, I think you tweeted they should do that down in warm-ups, like for every game. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, oh, buddy, no. <laughs> that takes, I mean, how long does it take to fix a messed up piece of glass during a game? Yeah, they could probably still do it, though. At least for warm-ups. You know the next team that builds, like, a really fancy arena? Like a button they can push where the glass will just... Why don't they have that out yet? There's no way that's a thing. It has to be. No, it's not a thing. Why would it not? Because they have to take... I don't know. It seems like a lot to be able to take down boards. Most of these arenas are dual purpose. Like, yeah. So you have to take those boards down 
Unless they just make them disappear into the floor. Now there's an idea. Some engineer out there can make a ton of money off that idea. That would be a sick. Because then you don't run into the scenario like Detroit did this weekend where they had 12 hours to turn over from the Pistons to the Wings ice for their, what, noon game on Saturday? Yeah, was the ice good? It was okay. I didn't get to watch it. It was about as good as it usually is there. But the ice was good down in Toledo this weekend. The ice was hot in Toledo this weekend. I hope not. It would melt. <laughs> uh, I mean, they had a, uh, yeah, the one organization that does not have a goaltending issue right now. <laughs> I think you meant to say, holy Toledo. Holy Toledo. <laughs> so, Toledo we didn't talk about Toledo last weekend um, at all, so we figured, well, let's do some research. Toledo is currently the, the hottest team in the ECHL. They are on a eight eight game win or a seven game win streak and they're just crushing people lately like it's it's impressive what they're doing um like i said they don't have a goaltender issue right now so Kosa had saturday's game sold out eleven thousand people stopped everything the kid uh got his second professional shutout you know when he got his first one when it was the game that he got sent down to Toledo after playing in Grand Rapids where he got his first pro win. He's a bit, he beat Milwaukee 3-2, goes to Toledo, gets a shutout in his first game. That's sick. Set the expectations high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but oh, he's yeah. living up to him so far this this month. Yeah, I feel like the big thing with Kosa is that we like we keep comparing him to Wallstead because that's who got drafted right after and Wallstead is killing it in the AHL. Just, just what goaltender of the month? He went what? Pro, he went to the All Star game. Yeah, he did the wave at the All Star game. Did the wave? Only goalie to ever do the wave. Only goalie to ever do the wave. And the other thing, like when I think of Kosa, I'm thinking everybody's telling us he's raw, he's undeveloped, he's you know, he needs to be in Toledo for a little bit, which I completely agree. Did he's nineteen. See? He's not. Yeah, he's nineteen. Years he's old. nineteen years old. He, yeah, he's raw. Give it, him time. I thought today, driving to work, I thought what they were doing right now was just having Costa be the backup in Toledo and Lethelman be the starting goalie. Is that not the case? That's not the case at all. Okay. Uh, Kosa, is when, he's played 30 games, and Lethelman's only played 20. Jeez. There's this 10-game swing, and Lethelman is just killing it. So not only is Kosa down there you know, holding it down too, but even the backup goalie, he's gotten, he was just goaltender of the month, and he, he's he got two, uh, two shutouts as well. Huh. It's crazy. Like, this guy could play, this guy could play for the Griffins next year. I mean, it's very possible. He's 26 years old. I don't, yeah. I don't know what Lethemann's contract looks like. By his stats and by what I've seen, highlights of, and, you know, just looking into their games more now. I'll take him in Grand Rapids if he's playing like that here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just thought this guy was the starting goalie, and they had Kosa's backup. But Yeah, clearly Kosa's taken the workload there, which watching that piece that the Wings did on Kosa uh, where they went down to Toledo and kind of profiled him a little bit there, it's definitely that they are – the team is excited to have a first-round pick in Toledo. It's very rare that – an ECHL team sees a first-round pick, so clearly they are taking advantage of it to try to develop him as much as possible and put their stamp on him kind of sort of way to say it, I guess, and make sure he gets as much playing time as possible 
but also still seeing the team get success out of him and themselves through that whole run is a good thing to see. So anybody who's writing Kosa off because they saw a couple bad games, they saw a couple bad games in Grand Rapids or whatever when he played for us, you got to remember, he's 19. He's going to be a project for a while. You know, his hopes are being Grand Rapids next year. I'm not sure if he will or not. It depends on how long Detroit wants to play this. If the kid's playing as well as he is right now, what's his goals against this month? Uh, or goals. his last four games that he played? I thought we had talked it was like 1.2 or 1.9. So since January 21st, Coe says 4-1-1 one one with a 1.97 goals against average and a .93 save percentage. That's fantastic. It's That's insane. There's nothing wrong with those numbers right there. But those numbers in consistent forms at the pro level are going to take time. And people need to be patient with him. I mean, he was raw, but he's really... I mean, the last six games, he's got four wins and he's got a shutout. He's only getting better as the season progresses. And it's not like the team in front of him is changing that drastically. I'd say they're getting some pieces back from Grand Rapids, obviously. As Detroit gets healthy and the Griffins get healthy again, the team in front of them's not changing. What, what's the what's the difference? What's the difference maker? Why don't I get to see that performance in Grand Rapids? What? Like what kind of performance? Um, just the overall team performance that Toledo is putting on display right now. Because <clears throat> what Toledo is putting on display for their fans there, which the more we've started following these guys, I'm really excited to make that trip down there one day. That place holds what nine thousand people. It's not much, <laughs> much. It's not much smaller than Van Andel, and they pack that place. Is that one bigger or smaller than the Arizona? That is bigger than the one the Coyotes play in. Yes. <laughs> I had to ask. I had to ask. Oh man. Yeah. Yes. The most ECHL arenas are bigger than that arena. Holy jeez. Yeah. So. Holy Toledo. Holy Toledo. No, it's it's good to see Cosa having success there. There's quite a few other players we've seen in a Griffins uniform having success down there right now, too. You were telling me Kirill is... Kirill, how many assists does he have? Kirill is killing it down there. Um, he has got 28 assists. He leads the team. Um, he's playing those first, the first line, the, you know, first line. It's His line is just generating so much offense. It's, it's crazy. Him and um, their leader right now is Hawkins. And he's got 20 goals, leads the team, 27 assists. So they're just passing it back and forth between each other, scoring these goals. Like, Kirill, I'm excited. Um, I hope he continues to develop. We loved him when he was up here. Uh, he was exciting to watch. Um, he's still, he's Detroit prospect, you know, right there. Um, the other guys that are playing really well for him, too, would be Bliss, you know, leads the team in plus, minus. And then you have Warren, who's... But, you know, he, he's bounced back the back and forth, but he's with only 14 games. He's played, he's got what, seven goals. So, yeah, I mean, he's playing well. I, I was mad when they sent him down, remember? I thought he was starting to play really well here. Uh, he was bringing a lot of good energy on the ice, and he was very quick. I remember seeing him not be shy at all about jumping into any play, um, trying to obviously make a name for himself with this team. And he was starting to heat up here, and then they sent him down which I believe at that point was when we got Elmer or Verana. So I guess it's an okay trade for us. But, um, the, yeah, he's playing really well down there. Kirill is the part that upsets me that he's not here. I know it's a casualty of how many veteran players we have on this team, the playing time he wouldn't get here. But 
he was so much fun when we were watching him here, and I really wish we could still watch him right now, but I'm glad he's doing well in Toledo. Um, obviously, he'll probably be in Grand Rapids next year uh, with a lot more time after missing the entirety of his first year with injury. Oh, yeah. So he's clearly bounced back from that well. Yeah, Kirill Thrill. Is that what they call him? Well, that's what they call Kaprizov, too, with <laughs> Minnesota, so we got to come up with something better for him. I know one player that you and I are both super, super geeked about getting to Grand Rapids in maybe before the end of this season. Uh, the way their season ends earlier than the Griffins is your boy. Our boy Lombardi. Amadeus Lombardi. Amadeus. What a freaking cool name. Kid tears it up in Flint. There's no secret there. He's electric when he's on the ice. The kid makes moves like... I've not seen in a while out of someone his age. He flies from what I see in these highlights. You've been fortunate enough to go to a couple games and see him in person. So what are your thoughts on him? He's exciting. I might actually, I'm trying to figure out if I should go this Saturday to the game or not. Uh, quick there and back to Green Rapids. But uh, just, to be, just to be able to catch up, you know, to be able to watch him some more. He's uh, leading the team in everything. Uh, goals, assists, uh, probably not penalty minutes, but um, if he's leading in goals, <laughs> assists, and penalty minutes, yeah. uh, we need him now. Yeah, we would like that up here at Grand Rapids, uh, or even Toledo. <laughs> Barty, um, he's signed with Detroit. He's got his his ECL started, so uh, they will more. You know, depending on how the Firebirds are going, he'll probably their season will probably end pretty soon. So. Which means not a playoff team? No, not a playoff team at the moment, I don't think. Dang. I mean, I, have, I, have to look I count on you for the more of the Flint research here, so I don't know too much about him. I just know about Lombardi, mostly. Um, Last 10 games, we went 3-8, and eight, so I think they're not. So it's the a rough playoffs. patch right now, for sure. It was uh, exciting last year getting to the playoffs. We went, we went far. They went really uh, far we in the playoffs last year. Right outside of the championship game. So, But yeah, Lombardi, just killing it. Center. Placed, place gritty. That's what you. That's what we have in Flint. Grit. A lot of grit. So um, it's not like the generals' days, though. Yeah, the, the game that I went to was just throwback. There was a lot of fights. That was the throwback to the Flint Generals game that yeah. you went to, right? Yeah, that was sick. Yeah. So yeah, this weekend, Windsor, Kitchener, and then they play Sarnia. So might catch that Sarnia game out there. You should. Why not? Yeah. Why not go to the Griffins game Friday, <laughs> and go to Flint the next day. Just pack it all in, man. It's a lot of hockey. It's a lot of hockey. You know, that's what we like, though. It is. We like a lot of hockey. So, they have three games this weekend? Yep, three games this weekend. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, they go back to back to back? Yeah. Yeah, so Lombardi's played 53 games already. (laughs) How many points does he have? 73. And how many games again? 53. I like those numbers. (laughs) Those are good numbers. Those are productive numbers. Those are very productive numbers. (laughs) Is he going to slot in and be a number one player in the team next year? No. 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 I know we're not making a playoff push most likely at this point, unfortunately. But I'd like him here in Grand Rapids. Um, he'd, replace, he'd replace a piece that we're going to miss for the rest of the season. So we'll hop back to Griffins here real quick before we wrap this up. Mr. Oh, Cross Hannes out for the season. Uh, uh, sucks. We definitely need him. That's a blow I didn't expect. Uh, we knew he was injured in Texas. We didn't know the substantial circumstances behind the injury. It is a shoulder injury, so he's out for the entire rest of this season. It sucks. It's unfortunate. 
Um, he was having a good season. God, he's having a great season. He was kind of the standout player where we were like, okay, Bergeron's gone. Who's the yeah, next player that's going to come from this team and make that step into Detroit in a season or two? And it was all eyes on him at that point, aside from Simon, obviously, but a forward going from the Griffins to Detroit and making a permanent residence there. He's the next closest one for sure. And losing this time in his development, I know he lost time in his development with COVID too. Like, this isn't time this kid can afford to lose, which sucks. But again, he was fantastic before the injury and taking the time that he's going to take to be able to get that work done and come back hopefully stronger and even better next season, playing with hopefully guys like Lombardi, having a cross Hannes and Lombardi on the same line. Casper. Or Casper when he gets over here. And Kirill up here at that point, too. That's some fun hockey in front of us right there. That's electric hockey. That's what we were hoping for this season. (laughs) Well, we still have the same coach. Yeah, I tweeted the thing. Remember I mentioned in the first episode I hadn't tweeted it in a few games? It took me until, what, the second period Friday? You told me that you were going to tweet your regular tweet, and I was like, what is he talking about? I went to go jump over, and I was like, oh, wait, I already know. Yep. I already know. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, yeah, hopefully. Instead of prospect profiles, we're going to do coach profiles next episode. We might need to. <laughs> hopefully that situation resolves itself by next season. We know based on history, Iserman and his crew are not going to fire a coach middle of the season. No, he's not going to fire him into the season. He's going to let him play it out. Yeah, coaching has got to change before next season. It has to. I think everybody that sat around us in our usual spot in the arena has all come to the same conclusion that nothing's going to change until Ben Simon's not a coach of this team anymore. So on Saturday, Griffins went 0 for 5 on the power play. And How did they lose by? They lost by four goals. No empty netters in there either. Um, yeah, awful night in the power play in that game. Penalty kill was worse in that game. It was Manitoba was two for four in the power play, and then the game before that, yes, we we were successful in not letting Manitoba score a power play goal on their one chance. Um, we were one for four on the power play. Yeah, coaching's got to change next year. Special teams is not good right now. There's been glimmers of hope with special teams. It's not there still. It hasn't been consistent. It can't stay. Having rotating players in and out between teams, not an excuse. They should be able to string together something. 0 for 5 on the power play in a night in a game where you lose 5-1? to 1? No. You have NHL talent. You have a lot of NHL talent. You have elite NHL talent. Yeah. We only keep getting these extra Red Wings players at this point. It's because we have so much depth at forward that we don't know what to do with it. And that's not a bad problem to have. What we're seeing right now, I mean, Ernie was the casualty of that roster when Zadina came back. We saw Zadina get assigned here for conditioning. Bergen was temporarily assigned to Grand Rapids during that conditioning stint, but he did not play. Yeah, he did. He was only assigned, so they had the cap, not the cap space, but the roster space to To pull pull Zadina up, send him down for conditioning, and then to pull him back up. Obviously, they pulled Bergen back in, pulled Zadina in, and put Ernie on waivers. The way to wrap the coaching segment is, obviously, we know there's going to be a change. I don't think that's been shy by anyone. The fans want it. I think the players want it. They need a new voice. They are uninspired. They need that new voice in there. We know, you know who we need? Dan Campbell. <laughs> uh, Lalone has to get him to the wings first. 
Maybe he'll get us there, and we can watch some playoff <laughs> hockey this year. But yeah. is there anything else you wanted to add to this episode? No. Sir? No, I don't have anything else to add. No, nothing else to add. Looking forward to the games this week and this weekend. Yeah, maybe I'll be GR, and then I'll do Flint. <laughs> I hope you do, because I'm excited to hear more and more about that as I learn more about this team from you. But with that, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, exciting couple games coming up for all teams involved. We're looking forward to watching them. But until then, we will be back with you guys next week with all the fun that happened over the last, what, seven days. Should oh. be a good time. Thank you for tuning in to the Hockey Town West podcast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at HockeyTownWPod and your host, Nick at GR Hockey Guy and Brandon at Brandon Cook 397